Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Rick Bennell makes his weekly appearance. He also brings with him the five best quotes in Charlotte Hornets history. We also reveal the results from Region 2 in our greatest Charlotte Hornets moments of all time bracket and this. Um, I have my, my garage has never been cleaner. I can say <laughs> that with no, with no doubt. <laughs> You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, LOH, the show handle on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. And also make sure you find our next guest on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. It's Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer as he joins us every single week. Rick, thanks so much for the time. Once again, how are you? Hey, y'all. I'm great. Hey, Walker, that must have been an interesting drive into work early this morning. Well, you know, it was wait, a bit different. What, what yeah, happened? it was, uh, it was one, a monsoon, you know, it was crazy. Um, I hydroplane today. Yeah. Almost lost complete control of my car. So that wasn't very fun getting on to 277. It was insane. All of the trees that were down, I didn't expect to see that much damage, but yeah, Rick, uh, it was, it was absolutely nuts to see all of the weather and the monsoon that was coming down on me. Well, it's lovely now, and uh, I guess hopefully we've moved on from that because the last thing we need is any more complications. Well, uh, you know, you should be used to it, Walker. I try to hydroplane this podcast every day. Yeah, I know. I try to grab the wheel, get main control back with the show, and uh, sometimes I just can't do it because you are too effective. Well, the key is you have to turn into the co-host. That's (laughs) how you get out. You turn into the co-host. That's right. That's absolutely right. A very good teacher you are, Doug. Rick, let's talk a little bit about just some of the other things that have been going on in the NBA and maybe some of the updates. So first, I'll ask you about this rule that the NBA has released, not allowing any team to look at any video of draft prospects produced after the league decided to shut down. And I think this kind of comes in response to the Tua video that was released where NFL teams are losing their mind, trying to figure out exactly how they can evaluate this prospect from afar. And the Tua video, I mean, Tua has been the main storyline of the NFL draft. And I just wonder um, how teams are going to be able to navigate through this once the NBA draft is here. You know, Rick, what did you make of that rule that you uh, that was you know just brought up not too long ago? Guys, I'll give you an educated guess. I think that even though, I mean, the NBA can obviously only tell its people what to do. But I think that indirectly that was directed at the agents. Uh, you have all these kids who are making themselves available for the draft with, you know, underclassmen, in addition to all the people who you knew were always going to be there in the first place. And you can't have, there's not, in all likelihood, there's not going to be a combine. Um, there may, if, if this pandemic issue truly drags on, no matter how much the NBA is delay, uh, delayed, and I'm guessing we won't see the NBA draft before um, August. But even then, we don't know how much um, how much teams are going to be allowed to um, to work out players, if at all. I think that the intention of that was to discourage agents from getting people together to videotape workouts, because I mean that that 
is the social distancing issue, just like everything else is. And I think the that was the NBA's way of telling agents, don't do this because we're telling our people not to watch them. And I think that, that was wise. I also think that there will be some fine tuning of that. Um, if we get down to crunch time, if we get down to the last month before the NBA draft, wherever that is, they're going to have to find some sort of middle ground that allows people to do their due diligence. Um, the NBA is allowing um, video conferencing to, to interview um, players as they should. Um, I've talked to a couple of scouts in the last couple of weeks who have felt an incredible sense of hurry up and wait. Um, they're sitting around their homes looking at, at old games of players. They're putting together lists. Um, Doug, you'd love this. They're like mocking out this position and mocking out that position. Yes. And at the end of the day, they're not entirely sure whether time is being very well spent. Rick, I heard Brian Windhorst talk about this 25-day plan once the NBA does decide to return. It, it's not going to be, okay, we're ready. Let's get everything back up and running in just a week's time. They're going to have this 25-day plan where these teams are able to practice and you know, basically, for conditioning purposes, work out before the season does resume. Uh, how important is that 25 to 30 days before the season starts? And are you surprised at all that the NBA would uh, require this? I'm not in the least surprised, and I'm and I'm frankly surprised that some people, um, you know, seem seem to be struck by that. Uh, it is not. This is not like a vacation, guys. People are literally not being allowed in gyms. People are not allowed to work out on their own in formal settings. Uh, when people come back, there is no way to replicate basketball shape. It's going to be ugly and. The teams, as far as think, reviewing players as investments, they should be really worried about that. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, don't you think that there is incredible potential for all kinds of soft tissue injuries um, when the playoffs start very quickly after the season resumes? And the guy said, oh, my gosh, yes. He said, I think we're in for all kinds of of long-term injury problems and the league has to be really, really mindful of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, nothing's a hundred percent right now, Rick, but I can't imagine that even if the NBA is able to come back and salvage the, the end of this season, that it would involve any kind of regular season play. I feel like the focus would have to be on figuring out how to, um, you know, give some finality and, and get to the playoffs and, and have a champion by, by the end of it. So if that were the case, then then the Hornets' focus would obviously turn to the offseason. And, and I'm struck right now, Rick, by how much confidence fans and people within the organization seem to have in general manager Mitch Kupchak to drive this franchise in the right direction. I was uh, reading a quote here from Del Curry on The Athletic saying, I think Mitch is going to use the cap space wisely I don't think he's going to fall in that scenario like we are just getting out of where you signed a lot of guys, used up the cap space, and then the team didn't get better. A lot of confidence right now in Mitch Kupchak. Do you think that confidence is well-founded? Do we have enough evidence to say that we're that confident about about his ability? Well, whenever I, I talk about Mitch, I always try to remind people that he probably has more authority and more autonomy than anybody in the organization has had since the NBA came back to uh, to Charlotte in 2004. 
Um, I, when they made this decision to pivot hard to a rebuild, I don't think that the issue, I don't think they ever thought, well, this is going to be quick and simple. Um, if that means that they don't do anything out of panic, that's good. Um, what, what we know so far is that Mitch has done a good job of drafting. Um, we don't know, not because he's done anything wrong in these fields, but because he hasn't done much of anything in these regards, how he will handle a free agent situation and to some degree how he will handle trade situations. I will say this, and I felt this very strongly for a very long time. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any, I don't think that that salary cap room will be burning a hole in Mitch's pocket um, as soon as free agency starts. I think that they will um, just maybe put their toe in the water. I think if they see opportunities, they'll explore them. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all, for instance, if they're if if they that money is used at least initially more for trades than for free agents. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if a large amount of their flexibility is banked until 2021. Uh, Rick, you mentioned that players. They have no ability to work out right now. They they don't have a gym. They you know they're trying to figure out uh, ways to stay busy, and that includes uh, point guard Devonte Graham, who on Twitter uh, wrote quarantine day uh, one hundred seventy seven million four hundred seventy two thousand eight hundred nineteen. I literally just had a five minute conversation with my dog, as if she was really responding to what I was saying. I laughed at one of her jokes and everything. Hashtag. I'm losing my mind. Uh, so my question to you, Rick, is how are you doing in quarantine? Are you losing your mind? What are you binge watching? How are you dealing uh, with uh, this crazy time that we're living in? I am sure thankful that those parks haven't been closed down. Yes. <laughs> uh, I need to be out on that greenway. I need fresh air. Um, I have my, my garage has never been cleaner. I can say that with no, <laughs> with no doubt. <laughs> Rick, um, what's the best I thing you found in your garage when you were cleaning everything? Was there something that you came across that you did not expect that you would come across that you find uh, the best thing that, that, that you hadn't uh, remembered that you had in some time? My sister's two pound dumbbell. What is the point of lifting a two-pound weight? Somebody <laughs> needs to explain that to me. <laughs> That's good. Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg type weight, yeah. I can't give you that explanation. A two-pound dumbbell, a hot take from Rick Bennell, a two-pound dumbbell. I kind of agree with it, though. Still have Rick Bennell on for one more segment. We'll get to the best quotes of all time in Charlotte Hornets history. Can't wait to get to that on the next segment. But first, I want to talk to you about our sponsors. We've got some really wonderful sponsors on this show, but none more than Queen City Beauty Group. And that's because they're local. And we have to support our local businesses in any way we can. We've told you over the weeks how amazing they are. Nichelle Mosley is an award-winning esthetician. They do custom skin treatments. They have an acne clinic. It's like no other spa in Charlotte. And they're even rolling out a virtual consultation for remote clients. And Doug, I know producer Katie might get involved in that. Yeah, she's going to try out one of these remote sessions. So as soon as that happens, I'll let everyone know how that goes. I had an in-person consultation. And like I said, it, I think what really struck me the most was that Michelle Mosley really cares. It's not just the fake care in front of you. She really wants to make sure that you're doing okay. And she'll even follow up with you. She'll even talk to you about some of the products that you can use that better take care of your skin. So Nichelle Mosley is fantastic and uh, she really cares about your skin individually. If you can't pay them a visit this week, of course, in the next few weeks, 
uh, concerning the times that we're in. You know, consider an e-gift card to use later. For the month of April, Queen City Beauty Group is offering e-gift cards for 30% off redeemable for future services. Gift cards are available in custom amounts from $35 to $1,000, all at a 30% savings. And you can take advantage of the special by going to www.queencitybeautygroup.com. You click shop at the top of the page and e-gift cards on the top of the next page. Remember, in times like these, small businesses need your support more than ever. Queen City Beauty Group appreciates your support and your support of the Locked On Podcast Network. Queen City Beauty Group, skincare for all. Rick Bennell coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rick Pinnell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We like to do the Hidden Hornets history. We've talked about Alonzo Mourning on his exit from the Charlotte Hornets franchise. We've talked about Lance Stevenson entering the Charlotte Hornets franchise and what that was like for everybody involved at the time. Now we will get to something that Rick has brought up himself put in all the work as he has for all of these uh, segments that we've done. It's the five best quotes in Charlotte Hornets history. And we've got some good one. Maybe you've heard one here before on the podcast that we fell in love with. Maybe you haven't. That's just a tease. I don't know. You're going to have to stick around and listen to it. But here we go, Rick. Let's start with number five and we'll count these down. Let's start with the fifth best quote in Charlotte Hornets history. Rick, what do you have for us? Uh, This is a little bit wordy, but you need some context here. It's Steve Clifford, um, the day after P.J. Hairston um, showed up at Summer League after being drafted, shortly after getting into a fight with a high school kid at a Durham Y, (laughs) and, and get this, exchanging cars with Josh Gordon, who went out and got in trouble with that same car, in the triangle. Um, this is Steve talking to Steve, Steve Reed and I, we need to have more meetings about his defense and shot selection and less about what he's got to do to be a dependable player. That's an excellent one. That was, that was actually maybe one of the best trades of rich Joe's career, right? Didn't we get Courtney Lee in a trade that sent PJ to Memphis? Uh, yeah, but what actually what Memphis was looking for was the second round pick that was attached to it. That was more of a that was more of a salary balancing thing. But let me tell you, the reason that quote doesn't sound as sexy as it in fact was, is the look of complete exasperation on Steve Clifford's face <laughs> <laughs> that the kid had never even played a summer league yet game yet had not hit practiced with the Hornets yet. And he was already dealing with BS. <laughs> yeah. The look on Steve Clifford's face was, you know, when you like, imagine if you bought a car and you <laughs> drove it off the lot and a mile down the road, you started hearing this really ugly noise and you looked in your t- rear view mirror and you saw black smoke coming out of the back of the car. 
That was the look on Steve Clifford's face. He knew there was there was a definite sense of buyer's remorse about P.J. Hairston and that draft pick that day. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was just listening uh, to the latest episode of Chad Ford's Big Board right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and he had Bill Simmons on, and they were reliving some draft picks that they had whiffed on, that they thought, oh, this guy was going to be good. And interestingly enough, a lot of the names uh, were Charlotte Hornets, MKG, Adam Morrison, guys that they were high on at the time and then ended up being uh, draft bust or just disappointments, whatever you want to call it. Uh, P.J. Hairston kind of low on that list, but but was disappointing. There was uh, some, uh, you know, he, there was some risk. There was a trade involved that, that got them the draft rights to bring in P.J. Hairston. But, I mean, what... You know what did what did that failure did that represent anything to you in in terms of the, that history at that time of of their ability to draft players in the first round? Remember that that was after PJ had been um, tossed out of North Carolina, right? Um, so take using any first round pick on him, even even one of the twenties, you know, was a leap of faith, and you know he was. He ended up being somewhat useful to them for about a year. He he was a starter. He was somebody who was a pretty good defender. The sad thing about PJ is there's no question that he was more than good enough uh, to be an NBA player. He just had this amazingly self-destructive quality, and he never really got over it. I, I remember... I got this very strange email from his mother one day. Oh, his listen, his family, if you said something, if you they were searching for PJ Hairston on Twitter and his family would come after you if you said something about PJ. His mother sent me this very, very agitated email saying that she wanted to have a conversation with me and set me straight. <laughs> and here's what I did, guys. I sent her back an email that said I would be very happy to have that conversation with you i said let me know whether you want to have it on the phone or let me know if you want to have it in person and just so you know i'll have my tape recorder running and i don't want anything you say to be off the record because if you have anything to say about your son i'm going to write about it and if you want to meet in person we can meet at the durham y and interestingly <laughs> she never got back to me at the, after that no. <laughs> Nope. Uh, not surprising. All right, Rick, that was number five. What is the fourth best quote in Charlotte Hornets history? You could not do best quotes without having Steven Jackson there. I mean, he was, he was amazing. He was not, he was good. He was unfiltered in a really cool way. And uh, Steven had a really big shot at the end of a, at, at the end of some game, the two years he was here. And I walked up to him afterward and I said, Hey, can you describe what happened at the end of that game? And he looked at me and said, oh, I make love to pressure. <laughs> that's a, God, that's great. It, God, that's, listen, it, it, I, I know it's four on your list, Rick. It might, it's close to number one on my list. It, it might be. So it's so good. What was it like covering uh, Steven Jackson, Rick? I mean, how much did you enjoy that experience? Who now, you know, Steven Jackson's hosting a podcast with Matt Barnes. It's doing very well. People like listening to Steven Jackson commentary. What was it like for you to cover him? What? He he won a game, um, another a different instance. He won a game down in Atlanta and jumped up on the scorer's table and started pounding his chest and was screaming at the top of his lungs, that's what I do! <laughs> <laughs> Steve was so um, good, man. Let, let me tell you, the I make love to pressure um, follow-up is, I looked at him and I said, I beg your pardon? <laughs> he said, I make love to pressure. And I said, 
Stephen, I said, I just want to let you know that I'm going to get my tape recorder really close to you because you need to repeat that for a third time because when I put that in the paper, I don't want to have any misunderstanding with my boss that you, in fact, said that. <laughs> That's it great. Really and he doubled down. He tripled down. It's excellent stuff. I absolutely love Stephen Jackson. All right, Rick, that was number four. What is the third best quote in Charlotte Hornets history, according to Rick Bennell? Um, Larry Johnson, um, when they when they drafted Alonzo Mourning, they had a, a a temporary cap problem where the the immediate cap room they needed to um, sign Zoe, um, they had to undo some something or other in order to um, make that contract work. They weren't obviously weren't anticipating having the the number two pick that year. And the easiest, simplest way to do that, although obviously not the best way to do it, was they had a couple of opportunities to trade Kenny Gaddison for nothing, basically, just just to get his salary off the books. And, you know, that that was just nuts. I mean, Kenny was an amazingly cost effective player. And um, Larry Johnson had very quickly become very, very close to Gat. So when we heard that they were one of the things they were considering doing in order to sign Gat, I mean, in order to sign Zoe that preseason with trade away Gat for nothing, we mentioned it to Larry and Larry looked up and said, quote, you trade Gat, you trade me. Grandma throwing the weight around. Yeah. Another excellent quote. Doug, you like Kenny Gaddison. That's your boy, right? Uh, the real KG, the Gat man, the G man. I love Kenny Gaddison. I'll tell you what, we did a rewatch of, of that game four against Boston, their first series win where Alonzo Mourning, obviously uh, he hits the shot and they, they have the dog pile celebration. One of the things that struck me is that they were playing Alonzo Mourning and Kenny Gaddison and Larry Johnson all at the same time. I mean, they were just throwing an immense amount of size at the Boston Celtics and, and, and Parrish, who, who was the center at the time. So um, the fact that they could find a way to get all three of those players on, I mean, certainly it reflected the, the time that they were playing in. But Kenny Gaddison, amazing. The uh, the best part about that was, if you remember, the timing of that was that was right after they signed Larry to that, you know, at the time, just breathtaking contract extension. And one of the things that they said to Larry, one of the things that upper management said to Larry at the time was, we want you to lead. You know, this is what, you know, we're paying you to lead this team, you know, go out and, and be yourself and lead this team. Well, apparently they only meant that in regard to leading other players. They did not enjoy him telling them what to do. <laughs> and that cost us, by the way, that quote caused such a fuss after a game that the next day they closed practice to the media because they were terrified of what wow. would come out of their mouths next. <laughs> wow. That's excellent. Larry Johnson making an appearance at number three on this list. When it comes to Rick Bennell, what is the second best Charlotte Hornets uh, quote of all time? I know Walker has just been waiting for this one. I have. Uh, this was Dave Cowens. Um, Matt Geiger was hurt during that pl- during a playoff series, and Matt was had been a really solid backup to Vladi Divac and was in for a really big payday. He ultimately ended up, you know, signing you know just a fantastic contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers really regretted, and um, Matt Matt had an injury and. Um, he wasn't playing during the playoffs. Well, if you know anything about Dave, 
you know, that was just, there was, that was an absolute affront to Dave. So we walked over to Dave after, after a practice down at Fort Mill and said, you know, do you have any update on, on Matt Geiger? And Dave looked at us and rolled his eyes and said, quote, I don't know. He's got some asshole. <laughs> That's become a staple quote of this podcast. I don't know. It has become asshole. a staple quote because Matt Geiger became basically our podcast mascot for a while. We had a Matt Geiger fact of the day. It's true. And we loved that was, yeah, that was a long time ago, but also excellent. And it really was resurrected because I put him on the top 30 Hornets of all time list. And uh, then we got that excellent story a long time ago from Ray. It's a shame. Hey, was that, was that the top 30 list where David Wesley got screwed? Oh, and Jamal. Wait, you and, thought David and, Wesley got screwed. And That's Jamal Mashburn. <laughs> because you would, because <laughs> you would be arguing against Doug. Doug doesn't like Jamal Mashburn's placement. And I think I put David Wesley 14 and Mashburn 15. I think that was the list, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I would have gone Mashburn a little higher. David, it's, I think Wesley, yeah, you can make an argument because of the longevity and because of the contributions that he made over many years. Certainly, yeah, I think David Wesley deserves a little bit more respect, Walker. Yeah, I, I think that's where I put him, but I'm not sure. Um, maybe we can make like an alteration to that. There were some changes that I like to make, but we'll get to that at another time. In the meantime, we need to get to the best quote of all time in Charlotte Hornets history, according to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Rick, what is that quote? The all-timer was, you know, Anthony Mason had a way of getting in trouble. I mean, it, it was just sooner or later, it was going to happen. Um, he had a love for the nightlife, and he really didn't, you know, you know when your mom told you nothing good happens after midnight? Um, <laughs> that never took with Mace. And he, he, uh, he was... He was up in New York uh, during during the All-Star break and got himself into some trouble. And they had a press conference. Believe it or not, they had the press conference in, in the in the yard um, where Mace had rented a house. It was off Fairview Road. And his agent, who you know was was a, very much a character all by himself, we're standing around and we're waiting for Mace to come out of the house to talk to us. And confess, you know, and 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 say, you know, you know, profess his innocence. And his agent, for some reason, looked at me and the other two beat writers at the time, and said, "Quote: When Mace goes out, the moon is always full." <laughs> <laughs> that deserves to be number one. Yeah, I was looking at the Stephen Jackson one. That one's a great one about Anthony Mason. Well, Rick, let me ask you this. I mean, Anthony Mason. It was no secret that Anthony Mason. Uh, I mean, he was in trouble in New York. Um, you know, it was no secret that when Anthony Mason came to Charlotte, that he was, um, you know, a who bit of a, a bit of a risk. Yeah, who he was. Um, so I'm interested. Like at the time that the trade happened. How did that factor in? Were, were, was there worry from the organization? But they were like, well, this is uh, an opportunity. I mean, we have to make this deal because LJ and the money and the we don't want to resign the injury concerns. I mean, what what all factors were floating around at that time when they when they made that trade for Mace? Well, there were, you know, be, because of Larry's back, there weren't a whole lot of people willing to absorb that contract. And the Knicks, you know, th th think about it. I mean, if you're looking for a, a beaten up player that is owed way too much guaranteed money, I mean, the Knicks ought to be on speed dial at any time, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Even then. Yeah. So and they, then you, you know, they, they, the, 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 
you know, Jeff Van Gundy did a fantastic job, by the way, of helping Larry reinvent himself into a small forward. And it all worked out for them, ultimately. But, um, you know, Mace was Mace logically could fill the role um, of what they were losing with LJ to some degree or another and came down here and was a very, very effective player. You know, he was a point forward before people, you know, really knew what a point forward was. And he was very skilled and very smart. You know, there were Ivy league teams that recruited him, but Mace just, you know, he, he loved to go out at night and he loved his, he had a really good time gentlemen. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, it was, it was interesting. You know, the, uh, my other favorite Mace story, um, you know, you guys were asking me before about Paul Silas. And I told you that I thought that Paul's, you know, gift was, as much as anything, he's a brilliant psychologist. Um, Dave, surprisingly, for a person who had a reputation for being a, t- such a tough guy, he wouldn't always be the guy who would confront players. And initially, you know, Paul was was um, Dave's lead assistant. Well, they had a team meeting where um, where Paul got in Mace's face and let him know you know, that he needed to shut up once in a while and start listening and start conforming. And, um, after that years, after that meeting, um, Paul was talking to me about that experience and he looked at me and he's, you know, he was an assistant coach at the time. And Paul looked at me and said, let me tell you something. I wasn't getting paid nearly enough to ever have that conversation with Mace twice. (laughs) (laughs) It's Rick Manel of the Charlotte Observer joining us. Great stuff. Once again, from Rick, Doug, you had something you wanted to say. Well, just real quick, Rick, because, I mean, you mentioned Anthony Mason. We got Mac Iger, Larry Johnson, Stephen Jackson, Steve Clifford there in your list. Uh, uh, wh- who, was, who was the best quote just consistently across the board in your time covering the team? Who has been the best quote? It depends on what you're going for. I mean, obviously, um, Captain Jack was – you know, willing to say exactly what he thought in totally unfiltered, colorful language. Um, There were other people who in entirely different ways were great quotes. Marvin Williams was exceptional as far as putting all kinds of things in context. Um, Marvin just thinks about the game at a very sophisticated level, but can speak about it in plain language so that it doesn't ride over people's heads. Um, the the other person that didn't come up in this conversation, though, you know, if I were naming an all quote team, um, Larry Brown was just amazing, <laughs> <laughs> but in a in sometimes cruel way. Um, there was there was a time when uh, we were talking to Larry after I mean Larry after a season got over, and Larry and and Emeka had a very difficult relationship, and. Um, Somebody we had we interviewed Emeka right after the season and asked him what he was doing over the summer, and you know he had all these. Emeka had some ideas about like keeping his body straight, and he was about to start taking a very involved Pilates course. And when when we mentioned that to when we mentioned that to Larry, um, (laughs) Larry uh, looked at us and said, "I wish he cared as much about basketball as he did about that Pilates." I mean, Larry, listen, I don't, I don't know who had a great relationship with Larry. Like, I'm not sure that there were many players that didn't have a difficult relationship with uh, Larry Brown. You know, he had a one, Larry, 
did the, did say something incredibly funny and very accurate about Raymond Felton. Um, Ray Ray, who's a great guy, Raymond had a tendency to over dribble constantly. And Larry, being a point guard, would scream at Raymond at the top of his lungs, don't bounce the ball unless you're going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, that just summed up what Raymond really needed to learn, that there was no reason, you know, if he, Larry's thing was make a decision, pass the ball, dribble the ball, shoot the ball, but don't stand there, you know, figuring it out, do something. <laughs> It was another great segment from Rick Bennell. Got the five best quotes in Charlotte Hornets history. It's always great stuff. We've come across quite a bit of good stuff here with Rick in the times of the coronavirus. Again, follow him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for helping us out once again. Sure thing, guys. Take care. Coming up in our third segment, Walker, we are going to reveal the results of Region 2 of our Greatest Hornets Moment bracket. Can't wait to get to that. But first... You know, in these crazy times, we all have to find ways to treat ourselves, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a way to stay sane. And, and one way you can do that is by using uh, one of our sponsors, Postmates, to not only treat yourself, uh, but help your local economy. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually can make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery as well. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it, and Postmates can't deliver it. So no more trips to the store, no more late-night food runs. (laughs) We can't do those anyway. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore because I can just use Postmates. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, get anything that you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Always enjoy Rick. That was a great segment. Five best quotes of all time. Do you think he had the right order? Uh, I'm fine with when Mace is out the full moon quote for Anthony Mason. That was number one to me. I think that's a good one. But yeah, I make love to pressures. Just fantastic by Stephen Jackson. Yeah, I would have had that higher just because I love I'm, right now. I'm making love to Easter candy. Reese's peanut butter cup eggs, or are you going with another favorite? Uh, no, I got some. Uh, I'm a big Cadbury cream egg guy, uh, but they, the stores were completely empty of toilet paper and Cadbury cream eggs, except for chocolate filled Cadbury cream eggs. Not not great. 
I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not, it really isn't. I, I'm gonna. I need some classic. Uh, when when they're able to get some back on the shelves, I gotta get some classic Cadbury cream eggs. I uh, got some uh, hot tamale peeps because that looked interesting. Uh, that wasn't very good either. My selections weren't very good, uh, but I do have a lot of them. And then some uh, mini robin eggs. I like the robin eggs. So are you a fan of peeps in general, or did you just want to try the hot tamale oh, peeps? Oh, man. Because- well, see, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of candy corn uh, around the Halloween times, and people mm-hmm. rail on me for that. I don't have a problem with peeps, and I know it's a very divisive candy. Like People either just uh, abhor peeps or they love them. I'm neutral on peeps. I think that it's marshmallow and sugar. I'm one that is absolutely against peeps. The texture is just awful. I can't stand them. And also candy corn. Hey, candy corn is gross to me too. I'm I'm against both the holiday candies. Why did we choose such awful candy to represent awesome holidays? Why did we do that as a nation? Love I don't love candy corn. Rick Bennell coming up with some great stuff for us. Uh but real quickly, we need to update the polls on our greatest uh, Charlotte Hornets moments of all time bracket. We did put it up for vote last week. Uh, the results of Region 2 are in, uh, and we appreciate everybody that participated in these polls. And surprising results, at least from one of the matchups, and we'll start with that one. So the number one seed, I believe I started off this matchup when we previewed it last week. I believe I said it's going to be hard to beat this one because without this particular (laughs) moment, there would be no other moments. And you guys just pooped on that. You said enough with that. That's a ridiculous take. We're going to vote for the other one. And we're going to do so in a way that wins 60 to your votes. 40% Walker, the Courtney Lee game five winner against the Miami Heat ends up beating the Charlotte Hornets debut in 88 as a franchise, 60% to 40%. Doug, are you as surprised as I am to see that Courtney Lee shot win? I'm absolutely shocked. I can't tell if this was just our listeners trolling us a little bit and saying, oh yeah, you think that you, you're, you're, yeah, that's a very American thing, right? You can't tell me what not to do. So I'm going to go vote for the opposite thing. Um, so it's kind of how we're in this current predicament. Anyway, um, so, yes, I am shocked at this, uh, but who am I to say that the listeners got this wrong? Uh, but I think that I think our I think our listeners really do skew young. And I think that the Courtney Lee shot happened uh, several years ago. And there is a lot of emotion uh, that was that was around that shot. But Courtney Lee is not a Hornets legend. I mean, the Hornets, no. the Hornets debuting in 1989 was a significant historical event in the city of Charlotte and in professional basketball. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised that it went down 60-40. I mean, at least, you know, 55-45. No, it's 60-40. I mean, that's a significant victory for Courtney Lee shot. Yeah, screw your inception. We have a playoff <laughs> victory because of Courtney Lee, and that is going to be the winner of that matchup. So that one moves on. A four over one seed upset. Surprising, already crazy results here in the bracket on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. The other matchup in the region I thought was going to be very close. I think it was early on. In fact, I remember checking. I don't know how many votes were in at the time. I thought there was enough for me to be still surprised about it. But checking the results of the matchup, pinning Kimball Walker's first all-star game start that was in Charlotte. We pinned that against Glenn Rice's all-star game MVP. That was a two, three seed matchup. And at first it was Glenn Rice winning 60, 40. When I checked the results very early and then we had a huge swing to, uh, to where eventually 
Kimball Walker's first all-star start did end up beating Glenn Rice's all-star game MVP. And uh, Kimba actually won 60-40 as well. We got the same numbers on that matchup. No surprise there to me, Doug. In fact, if you were to ask me who was going to win and by how much, I think it would have arrived at something very similar to what we got in that matchup. I'm honestly surprised that Kimba did not win easier. I'm surprised that the number wasn't close to 70-30. You know, those first two matchups that we did in Region 1, Alonzo Mourning won 75-25 over Muggsy, and then drafting LJ lost to the Hornets' return, comeback 74-26. So both of these matchups in Region 2 were somewhat closer than the ones in Region 1. Uh, but Kimba only winning 60-40 to 40 in his all-star start. I think, you know, again, that image of Glenn Rice lifting the trophy it still has some weight in, in enough Hornets fans' minds. I thought that would be a close matchup, and I thought the drafting LJ compared to the Hornets returning back to Charlotte, I thought both of those would be tough matchups. And we haven't had a really, really tight race yet. We've put out four games, and we haven't had a crazy tight race. And I was surprised about those Well, in these next two, we can preview Region 3. We're not going to dig deep into it until tomorrow, but the, the next region... The one seed is Space Jam. It's probably the most controversial one seed yes. that we have. And then uh, that's going up against the four seed Kimba Walker's 60-point game that came in a loss. So I think that could have the potential because it's just so screwy. That could have the potential to be <laughs> You're close. You're so right about that, yeah. And I have then, no clue how to predict that one. Nah, I don't either. And then the 2-3 matchup, uh, we'll, again, we'll kind of give you some context around both of these events tomorrow. Uh, but then the 2-3 matchup is the Bobcats' first playoffs, which, again, they got swept. These are bittersweet. This is the bittersweet division, uh, the bittersweet region. Yep. And then Hornets trading Alonzo Mourning for Glenn Rice. So you lose a Hall of Famer, but you gain uh, Glenn Rice, who ends up with a few All-NBA awards and an All-Star MVP. Uh, one of, I think... Had it resulted in any kind of playoff success for the Charlotte Hornets would be, I think, generally regarded as one of the better trades in NBA history. Uh, but unfortunately, they couldn't put the results together. But I mean, that's just to get to, to get somebody, uh, you know, anytime you trade a superstar, it's it's really difficult, especially when when it's acrimonious like it was with Alonzo Mourning. It's so difficult to get any return back. And the fact that the Hornets got Glenn Rice and the success that Rice had in Charlotte, uh, pretty significant stuff. So we'll... Again, we'll we'll dig deep and then put the polls up to, uh, on Wednesday. I keep saying tomorrow. I want to see. I just want basketball back. I know I'm I'm tired of horse. I'm tired of two K. I just want legitimate NBA. I don't care if they're all if their bellies are all sagging over their gym shorts. I don't care. <laughs> just like let me have some basketball. Let's play it at half pace. Let's see. You know, I don't care if it's, it looks like adult league out there. <laughs> like I just <laughs> I want some. I want some basketball in my life. I'm tired of this. I think Doug speaking on behalf of all of us until that time does come. We appreciate you listening to us at least three days a week here on the lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the lockdown podcast network. That'll do it for today. Uh, now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of lockdown NBA as well. Make sure you're listening to that podcast. Also have a great day and we'll see you Wednesday. Chad Ford's big board subscribe. Subscribe.